Would you help to welcome Josh Hatter, our missions guy? He's going to talk to us. Josh Hatter. Hot dogs. Uh, good morning. You've heard John say, uh, I don't know if you've heard him say this, but I've heard him say this. But John has this dream every now and then uh, on Saturday nights before he comes in to preach on Sunday mornings. And it's not necessarily a dream. It's more of a nightmare. And it's, uh, this dream is he shows up on Sunday morning and he's got nothing to say. And uh, I don't really like having known that uh, coming into a day like today. I didn't have that dream last night. Um, but I did have a dream. I don't dream very often. But last night I did have a dream. Uh, and it was kind of worse than that. Um, in my dream last night, I was being chased by people trying to cut my beard. <laughs> that bugged me. And they were getting little snips of it. Like they were like running by and chah. And so, so it was all spotty and torn up. But I was too proud to lose the beard. So I just walked around like a ding dong, like just a patch here and a patch here. Anyways. Uh, all right. So how many of you all have ever been whitewater rafting? Yeah, a few of you. Me too. Um, for those of you that haven't, there's really not much uh, that's quite like it. It's very exciting. It's scary. Uh, you'll laugh one minute, and you'll be close to crying the next minute, and you have no idea what's coming up around the corner. Uh, and and the, the degree of fear that you feel or the degree of joy you feel is uh, highly uh, closely related to the size of the rapid that you're about to go down or uh, the knucklehead that's next to you in the raft. Uh, Nothing personal, Dave. Um, and I said there's nothing quite like it. My job kind of resembles that uh, whitewater rafting trip in many ways. There's a lot of ups and downs, and uh, there's a little bit of getting wet and uh, exciting, sad, scary uh, moments. One of the main differences is my guide in my job is a perfect guide, and he keeps me afloat, and that's his goal is to, to get me down the river safely. Uh, on the opposite side, uh, scale is the whitewater rafting guide whose sole ambition is to dump his crew into the river as many times as he can while remaining in the boat high and dry. And uh, when I use that term high, I use that very loosely when I'm talking about rafting guides. Okay, you got it. <laughs> All right. So uh, anyways, I'm not sure if Derek did this on purpose, but last week he talked a lot about Jesus and the disciples and Jesus serving the disciples and loving on the disciples. Uh, and I don't whether it was on purpose or not, he teed the ball up nice and high for me for today. Uh, unfortunately, I have a nasty slice, so you're going to have to bear with me. Um, but my goal for today, he, like I just said, he talked a lot about service and love. And my hope for today is to kind of take those two words, service and love, and smush them together into a word called mercy. So... If you'd pray with me. Dear God, thank you, uh, thank you for today. Thank you for this morning. God, I feel like you've got something to say uh, about mercy to each one of us, about loving people, serving people, and, and showing your mercy. Um, so God, just fill our hearts with, uh, with, those, uh, with love, mercy, and service. And uh, just help us to listen to your voice. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd love it if you would pull them out and open to Luke 10, 25 through 37. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we have a big screen for you. It's on the back of your bulletin. And finally, uh, if you do not have a Bible and you would like one on your way out, there's a resource table with a couple free Bibles. Um, so we're going to talk about 
Luke 10:25 through 37. Um, I don't know if I'm sure a lot of you are aware of this story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. It's something that I grew up with uh, in Sunday school, and I always thought it was just kind of this cute little story of how we're supposed to treat people. Um, and I didn't. I just thought it was kind of a simple thing. But in this last year, um, I've been really putting more thought into uh, this passage and thinking more about it. Uh, and I've realized that it's a little bit more, uh, a little bit deeper than I originally thought, a little bit more profound. And actually, this week I was reading a commentary about this um, this part of uh, scripture, and there was a big warning above it that uh, said, "Do not." Uh, this was one word. Well, do not, and then it said, "Over allegorize this." And I didn't know how to spell that or necessarily what it meant, so I realized that this passage was like going to be really complex. Um, And I actually looked up over allegorize. Uh, But anyways, let's jump into this real quick. It's Luke 10, chapter 25 through 37. Or Luke 10, verse 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told them, go and do likewise. So there's a couple of things in that passage that just kind of jumped out at me as I was reading it this week. Um, two words in particular uh, I wanted to focus on is one is neighbor. Like, who is our neighbor? Is it the Joneses that live next door? Um, is it the people that we see in our apartment complex? Or who is, um, who is our neighbor? Uh, in this parable, Jesus uses... Um, and I think for a reason, he just says a man was walking down the street or in a different version of scripture, he'll say a certain man. But he doesn't really talk about like anything else about this man. We don't know um, his race, his religion, his social status, uh, whether he was a Cowboys fan um, or he was British. Um, uh, we don't know who he is. And, and I think that's important uh, to think about um, that, that Jesus didn't really put a label on on who this guy was. Um, and I think that's important because during this time, especially in this area, segregation was uh, was huge. Um, the different religions weren't big fans of each other, and the people from the different uh, towns, different races, uh, were not necessarily uh, good buddies. Um, so I was kind of looking into that. I was thinking about that. Well, who is my neighbor? And, um, 
and according to Christ, the Greek word is plasion. Uh, that's the Greek word for neighbor, and that means any person, irrespective of nation or religion, with whom we live or whom we chance to meet. I'll repeat that again. Uh, it's any person, irrespective of nation or religion, with whom we live or whom we chance to meet. Um, I, I guess I thought... I, I, thought about that for a little while and I was like okay so with whom we live and so I was like okay so it's basically anybody who's not me is pretty much my neighbor that's what I broke it down to um, and so if you guys can just uh, hang with me and, and kind of put that uh, in the back of your mind for this scripture that we're you know our neighbors anybody that's not who we are or I am all right I just confused myself uh, so anyways so that's who our neighbor is well what are we supposed to do with them well, the, the guy, the scholar said we're supposed to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength, and mind, and we're also supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, well, how do we do that love? How do we love our neighbor? Uh, and in this case and in this parable, that love uh, was action, and in, and in that action, uh, it was an act of mercy. And so we're now we're to the word of mercy. Uh, and the best definition I found of this um, is mercy equals pity translated into sacrificial action. I'll say that one more time because I really like that. Mercy equals pity translated into sacrificial action. So it's not just, I guess, myself. I've thought about this a couple different times. That, uh, when I have mercy on someone, maybe it's just me feeling bad for them or feeling sorry or maybe just having pity. Uh, but that's not necessarily just having that feeling or having that uh, feeling in your gut. Like, that's not mercy. That's... That's the emotional side of it. But mercy is actually taking that emotion and acting upon it. Um, and I think that's something uh, important to pay attention to. Um, and, and I hope you can kind of see now how love and, and service can kind of go together and they can be combined into this word of mercy, that all three of them are action words. Um, and all three, I believe, that we are called to um, by Christ. If you look through uh, the, the scriptures, we're called to that time and time again. Uh, so what do we do about that? Um, we love, we give mercy uh, through serving others. Uh, that's how I believe it. It's an action thing. Uh, an interesting uh, note about the word serve. I was looking into all these words after over allegorize. I just had to make sure I understood these other words that were shorter. Um, but the, the, the word to serve um, in the New Testament also meant to minister unto. And I was like, hmm. I, does that mean I'm supposed to be talking on Sundays? Because I really don't like talking on Sundays. And uh, does that mean we're supposed to be preaching in the streets? Um, not necessarily. Uh, if you look through the scriptures, Jesus calls us uh, not necessarily to talk and to use our mouths, but he calls us to go and do this, go and do that, uh, do as I do, love, serve, and all these other things. And rarely uh, does he ever say, you know, go talk to somebody about me or, you know, listen to what I've said, and then go say that to somebody else. He doesn't say that all that often. Um, he's more focused on the action part of, of doing stuff, loving, serving, and mercy. Um, and like Derek said last week, uh, when he was talking about Jesus serving his disciples and washing their feet, uh, Jesus said, um, where is it? I've set an example that you should do what I have done for you. It wasn't like I just said this really cool, deep, profound thing. Now go tell somebody about it whether they want to hear it or not. Um, 
And then a few verses later, he said, As I have loved you, so must you love another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. So basically, this love was just serving. It was washing the feet. It was taking care of one another. Um, And I think that's fairly important. Uh, People, I'm going to kind of go from this mercy and serving and love and kind of bring it into my life and my role at Grace. I've been working here for a little little bit over a year, and uh, I often am told... um, that I have one of the coolest jobs ever, and I would agree with that largely. Um, as I said at the beginning, that a lot of times it's kind of like a, a whitewater rafting trip. Um, it's, it's not always a bed of roses, um, but it's, it's an absolutely um, amazing ride that I've been on. And I want to share a little bit um, of why it's such an amazing thing. Uh, Grace is an absolutely wonderful church. I love this church, um, and it's not because of the staff. I mean, we're pretty cool, but... Uh, has very little to do with us. It has to do with the people, with you all. Like um, the things that you guys do on Sundays, the things you do throughout the week, like this community of of people has come together. Like this is what makes this church special. Um, And it's really cool and and an an honor to be a part of. Uh, I just want to share with you a a couple of the things that you all have done in this last year um, and to... You guys are doing a great job of loving, serving, and showing mercy, and I just kind of want to maybe stoke the flame a little bit. But um, before I do that, I just want to share a couple of the things that I was pretty honored to be a part of and touched that so many people um, contributed to. Um, in this last year, um, we collected over 2,300 pounds of canned food for the local food uh, pantry, AFAC. Um, we've given hundreds of backpacks filled with school supplies, uh, to children in Northeast D.C. Uh, through the World Mission for Christ. And also through there, we've given over um, hundreds of turkey dinners for the big turkey rally. Um, we did, we've done, uh, I have this beard interference, don't I? Sorry. Um, yeah, we don't go there. Um, we do the rebuilding uh, together, Alexandria. Um, just yesterday morning, there was a group of people that were out uh, in Alexandria uh, cooking some breakfast at the Carpenter Shelter, and that's something that we do every month that has five Saturdays in it. We do it on the fifth Saturday. It's a really hard thing to write and put in the bulletin. Um, but anyways, so over this last year, we've served hundreds of people breakfast uh, at the Carpenter Shelter. Uh, we've surrounded families in and out of our church with love and with food and uh, with fellowship. Uh, that were going through hard times or experiencing difficulties. Uh, we've traveled to Appalachia in Kentucky and done some rebuilding of homes and building of relationships. And then also I think one of the things that's uh, understated more uh, than anything is is the uh, the service teams that are actually right here on Sunday mornings. Uh, these chairs don't set themselves up in the morning. There's a group of people that get up really early and come set up these chairs and the signs, and, uh, and then there's people that have got to take them down. Uh, there's a group of people that do this Meals on Wheels deal. Uh, if somebody's in need of or unable to cook for themselves, like there's a group of somebody makes a phone call and somebody else is in the kitchen and they deliver it to whoever needs food. I think it's all really cool stuff. And this is all stuff that you all are doing. Like it's, it's really cool. And so, um, A, thank you. And, uh, and B, keep it up. And uh, it's, just, it's really cool to be a part of that and to see uh, this many people doing such cool things. Um, so I kind of went through that list, and uh, 
the one thing I haven't mentioned yet, it's one of the things that's the most, uh, the nearest and dearest uh, projects to my heart personally, um, and that's some of the work that we're doing down in Mexico. Uh, since last July, uh, so less than a year ago, we've had almost 80 people from this church go down to Mexico uh, to be a part of this. And uh, if you look around, like 80 of you is a pretty good, it's a pretty good number. It's a significant amount of people from this church. Um, I want to back up just a little bit and let you know why Mexico is so near and dear to me. It's not that I don't like or love doing these other things, but Mexico um, was the first missions trip I went on as a, as a teenager. Uh, I, I went to a church in Portland, Oregon, and I had the opportunity to travel down there when I was 14 years old uh, to the exact same exact same neighborhood, uh, Takati. And in fact, the camp that I stayed in when I was 14 years old was just a mile down the exact same road of the ranch that we stay at now. So it's like it's a big homecoming for me. But when I was 14, to see poverty and to see the way people are living, it, it blew my mind. I was this 14-year-old punk who lived in my little own world and didn't, you know, we hear about poverty, but to actually see it, and, to, I, and I think to see it at such a young age uh, had a huge impact on me. And, and there were actually, on our last trip, uh, our July trip this last year, we had a handful of teens from this church that went, and I, and I think you'd be impressed uh, if you asked them about their stories and the impact that uh, that trip had on their lives. I think it would um, it would open your eyes a little bit to what goes on down there. So that's one of the reasons that talk uh, that I almost ruined my joke. That uh, Takati is close to my heart. The other part's the tacos, and uh, but also just kind of the stuff that we're doing down there. This is. Um, I'm going with Dave Snee and Brandon uh, next week for a couple days, and uh, that'll be my seventh time down there since last May. So it's near and dear because I'm down there a lot, and I'm we're working on some cool stuff, and we've got some friends that we're making and that we've made, and so uh, so it's a great place. Uh, and we've done some really cool stuff there as a church uh, in this last year. In this last year, we built two brand new homes um, for a couple different families down there. And we've also built a, a new school at the, at the top of the hill. We work on this little tiny hillside called El Florido. There's less than 300 families on this hill. It's pretty sparse and pretty dry and uh, unprotected. Um, so one of the things, as we were building the houses in last July, um, we build these houses in three days. It's total chaos, people swinging hammers and running around with uh, boards and saws and and you get these houses done at the end of three days, and you're like, wow, I just finished the house in three days, and so it's time to go back to D.C. And you're like, but I didn't really get a chance to get to know who we're doing this for. Um, and so our, our focus had been more on building the homes, and there was a few people who were like, well, maybe let's try something a little bit different. Uh, we want to get to know those people. We want to – it's all about the relationship at this church, and so if we're just building the homes, like, let's just send a check down and, and – uh, so anyways, so we did this school, and the school thing was absolutely amazing. We, we went to the top of the hill. We built a school. Um, day one, we showed up. There were 14 of us, and there was a big slab of concrete, 20 feet by 40 feet. And uh, by the end of the day, it, all the walls were up. It was sided. It was painted. The wiring was all done. It was sheetrocked, and the roof was on except for, like, maybe 20 shingles. And that was at the end of day one. And they all kind of looked at me, and they're like, don't we have two, get, two more days down here? And I was like, yeah, I guess we'll uh, just kind of hang out which is what we did and which was turned out to be one of the coolest things that happened on this trip is we started to get to know the people in the community. When you build a house for a family down there, 
The family might help you build their house, but when you build a school that the children are able to use and it's a tool and it's a way to advance um, their lives and to improve their lives, they came up by the, like, there were a ton of people up there that were working and just hanging out with us. Um, it was neat. At one moment, I don't know what I was doing, but I turned around and, like I said, there were 14 of us. This is in September. I turned around and my 14 members of my team were just kind of sitting outside of the school. And I was like, is this like a union break or what? Like, <laughs> let's get this stuff done. And they said, well, they have all of our tools. They're working. They're building. And I was just like, wow. Like, that was just such a cool feeling. And there's a couple of people in our group that's like, that's not cool. We came down here to work. I want my hammer back. And, um, and so uh, it's just a really neat, like, those are moments we, we have on these missions trips or any service opportunities. We, we talk about this thing more than anything else, and it's called not about me moments. And those are moments that we realize, okay, this isn't about me. Maybe, maybe this is what mercy is. It's not about me. It's, it's about them. Um, so anyway, we built this school, um, and we're involved in this community. And just last month, uh, I went down for my sixth time to Mexico, and this trip was a little bit different, and uh, it kind of blew my lid. Um, I went down with ten of some of the most incredible builders I've ever gone down to Mexico with. But not one of them carried a tool belt, and not one of them swung a hammer. This was a group that was predominantly women, which I was nervous about before, and now afterwards I can say it's one of the most incredible groups uh, I, I've traveled with. Um, and then there was Sean Roth. I don't know if he's here, but uh, really great dude. If you all don't know him, get to know him. Um, so anyways, we went down there and we did this kids program. I've talked about it uh, recently. We did health and dental classes. We did arts and crafts classes, Bible classes, and recreation activities. Uh, and those kind of things. So basically, everything we focused on for these three days that we were down there was about relationships, relationships with the children, relationships with each other. If you go on, if you ever travel with a small group of people to a third world country, like you're going to have some relationship time within the group of the people you're traveling with. And it's uh, it's debatable on whether you know you grow more from that or if you grow from actually being down there. Um, so as I was talking about the, these relationships, one of the relationship aspects that I didn't really foresee happening, which happened and it was incredible, was these kids all came to the top of the hill. Uh, we thought there was going to be 70. There was over 120. Uh, not only did all these kids come up, but a lot of their mothers and a lot of their other, a lot of their parents came up. And they were just kind of, they're like, our kids aren't going to have all the fun. We're going to come have fun too. So we're like, come on. So uh, we had, like I said, our team was predominantly women and they are just phenomenal uh, relationship builders. And so they had the women from the community of El Florido that just, it was just like they ran up to each other and became instant friends. And I think one of the things um, that was really neat for me was for the first time we're kind of getting feedback on what they really need. Like we just assume that they need a house. We just assume that they need this or that or the other thing, but we're assuming this from, you know, 4,000 miles away in North Arlington. So to actually hear from their mouths, these are the different things we need. Um, right around the corner, I have five letters that I brought back from Mexico from some of the women. Uh, they've been translated, uh, but if you want to read it in Spanish, they're also in Spanish. But they kind of share uh, their gratitude for all of us and, and all of you, and, and also share some of the feedback of the things that they need. 
And one of the things that really touched me um, was this one woman was writing about the different things that she needed, and this one stood out the most to me. It said, teach us about nutrition. Our children suffer from malnutrition, and it's our own fault. We don't know how to feed them properly. And that broke my heart. Like, these mothers are knowing that, like, that they're not feeding their kids the right stuff, that they're malnourished, but they don't, they don't, they don't know what to do about it. And I can go off on a tangent, but I won't. But down there, it's cheaper to buy a Coke than a bottle of water. It's cheaper to buy a bag of chips than healthy stuff. It's, and, uh, yeah, we could go on on that. But I won't. Um, so it's just neat to see uh, that these people are, are we're, that relationship is finally starting to form, and we're starting to learn from them um, of what they really need. And so I talk a little bit about the injustices down in Mexico with, uh, you know, them not knowing, not having the education, the education, not knowing what to eat, what not to eat, what to feed their children. Uh, one of the other things that I learned just this, I've always seen them have water around, and, you know, we're not supposed to drink the water, but I just assume that it's okay for them to drink the water. It's not okay. Like, their water is bad, and they don't drink it. Um, I mean, they do when they need it, but it's just as bad for them as it is for us. And it's... But, it's also an incredible thing to stand on top of that hillside and realize the lack of education that they, that they want, that they crave, but they're not getting, or the lack of clean water. And you, from that hilltop, you can see the U.S. It's just kind of a, a little bit of irony in that, I guess. Um, so as much as I have a, a huge heart for Mexico and the stuff that's going on there, I'm going to step off the, the Mexico horse for just a moment. Um, and what's going on in Mexico is just kind of a drop in the bucket to what's going on in this world, what's going on in our country, and what's going on uh, around the globe. Um, and there's just a couple things that I'm going to mention here, things that are firing me up, um, especially lately, things that I don't even necessarily know how to get involved in or how to help solve the problem. But, uh, And I don't know, I, maybe I hadn't heard about these things going on before I'd worked for the church, or maybe I just didn't want to hear about it, or maybe... Um, I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, but I'm just going to list a couple things uh, that bug me that are going on that I feel like we're somewhat responsible to, to get involved in. And some of them are, um, I didn't know this until this year, but there are thousands and thousands of, of children from five to eight young kids getting sold into sex slavery uh, around this world. Um, there are children in Burma, on the border of Burma and Thailand, that are being used as human minesweepers. Uh, that these soldiers are taking these children and said, "You need to walk out into these fields and into these forests." And they're not, you know, they're not using these little detectors. They're like just walking out there, hoping they don't hit one. Uh, there's children, soldiers taken from their families in Africa, and then once the children are taken and turned into soldiers, they're made to come back and, and murder their entire families. Um, there's genocide, famine, AIDS, and on and on. And uh, the reason I bring it up is, in all honesty, I had to change this word here. It ticks me off. Like, this stuff makes me mad. And, and I don't know, does it make you all mad, like, to hear some of these things? I mean, I'm just, I'm just scratching the tip of the iceberg of the stuff that's going on in this world and, uh, and all around us. And it, it ties my, my stomach into knots. Um, and I bring this up because um, we, we look at the, uh, the Good Samaritan and, and, 
him loving on his neighbor and having mercy on his neighbor, and it was him being active and, and, and showing mercy, and it was him kind of going a step above and beyond just, you know, here's 20 cents, go buy lunch. He was like, I'm not just going to give this 20 cents. I'm not just going to bandage you. I'm going to take you all the way. I'm in it, and I'm going to serve you. Um, and so I, I, I bring all this up because uh, it's my gut feeling that, like, this is all, all this stuff that goes on, like, this is our responsibility. It's our responsibility to take care of uh, social injustice. It's, uh, a lot of us kind of want to do good. Um, but beyond that, uh, Jesus says over and over and over again, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, take in the poor, uh, the blind, the crippled, and the lame. Um, take care of the orphans and the widows. And it wasn't just an afterthought like, hey, if you get some time and you're not doing anything on Tuesday night, you know, maybe you could go and do this. It's a command. He says this over and over again. This is our responsibility. Um, and I feel that more and more uh, as, I, as I read through Scripture. Um, and I, I just want to step away and clarify one thing. Serving people isn't how you uh, attain salvation. It's not about that at all. Um, but I think because of salvation, it makes it more of our responsibility to, to do and, and to want to do because our God served us in, uh, in the death of his son, um, so how cool would it be for us to serve others in our life and, and in this time? So we serve uh, for a couple reasons. One is I think every now and then we just feel like we have a social responsibility. But beyond that and, and, and more than that, uh, Jesus commands us and asks us and tells us to go, to go and do this. Go and do likewise. Go and love. Go and show mercy um, as, as the Samaritan did. Um, so what happens when we do this, when we take this chance, when we step out and we have these experiences, okay, God, like you're telling me to do this. I may not want to do it, but what happens when we do this? I can tell you from my experience, a lot of things can happen. Um, and sometimes uh, there are certain situations where not much happens outwardly or physically. You could go uh, help a, a friend move or go help a person on the street. Um, you can just give them a smile. You can do something small. You can do something big, and you might not notice you might not change the world that day. You might not really make a huge uh, perceivable difference. But Christ said uh, uh, he made us a couple promises, both in Luke 6.47 and John 8.31. They're very similar, so I kind of squished them together, but uh, feel free to look them up. I hope you do. Uh, Jesus basically says that if you hold to my teachings and you put my words into action, you'll see the truth and you'll be set free. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, so John and I were talking about this the other day, like, well, what is that truth? Like, you know, I, I want to see the truth. What's the truth? And um, and we were, I, in the context of, of John, he was talking kind of about that you'll see that the, that the Son is from the Father, that Christ is from the Father. And in the context of serving, um, the truth that you'll see uh, is, I think, kind of similar. You'll start to see... You'll start to see God at work. You might not always see it. Um, it might just be a little, a quick little moment, a quick little whisper. But it's really neat how, um, when you are involved in serving, how God can, um, from time to time, kind of bump into you. Um, I've known, I've been on several trips. I've done a lot of service projects, and I've known several people that have wanted to be involved in kind of good work, but really aren't churchy people. Um, they're not churchy people at all, but they want to be involved in something that seems pretty cool. And uh, the, my most recent example of that was on just on this last trip. 
to Mexico. Uh, there was a young lady who works at the Montessori school that um, rents office space at the church that we do as well in, uh, in Boston. And uh, we see her in the hallways from time to time, and we worked on a couple things together, and she's like, hey, you know, I'd kind of be interested in going to Mexico. I was like, that's cool. So she ended up signing up for it, and, it, and if you ask her, uh, she will she will say her first, like when she signed up for this, she was kind of like, ooh, I'm going on a church trip. <laughs> like she's a little worried, a little hesitant, uh, especially for the knucklehead who was uh, running this show. Um, but uh, but she came and, 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 and went on this trip, and by far, like, this girl rocked this hillside. She works with children. She's got tons of energy. She spoke Spanish and you know, everybody on this team was just like, wow, this is like, this person was supposed to be here. She was rocking it. Um, on the first day, I'm just kind of hanging out on the top of the hillside, and she walks up, and um, what's with girls in these huge, big sunglasses these days? They drive me nuts. Anyways, so she came up to the hill wearing these huge sunglasses. I can't see anything except for her chin and a couple, <laughs> and a couple, a couple tears that are falling down her cheek. I was like, "Gee, what happened?" And uh, and she just kind of looks at me, and she's like, "She's like, this moment, this right here. She's like, this is the happiest moment of my life. Like, this is what I want to be doing." And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, "Whew, what do I say to that?" I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> but I had no idea what, what. Like, I don't know what to do with that. Uh, so I just encouraged her, and we talked about her a little bit, and I was like, "That's just cool. Like, God's working somehow. Like, I don't know what He's doing, what He's up to." But uh, it's pretty cool. On the last night down there, um, she pulled me aside again, and she said, I, I just want to talk to you. She's like, this trip has really done some cool things. And, and for years, my heart has really been uh, turned off to the church and really closed to God. And I feel like my heart is starting to open up to God uh, a little bit. And I was just, I wish I had those big glasses to hide some of my tears because it was it was. It was a pretty powerful thing, and that's what happens when you go on these trips or when you get involved in service. We hear all the time that you can't necessarily outgive God. Uh, I might be a little bit biased, but uh, no other time do I think it's more true than on a service trip. When you're giving, when you're loving, when you're showing mercy, when you're being active, um, God's right there in it. He's not asking you to do something that, that he hasn't, that he's not a part of. Um, so today, I, I truly hope to echo God's call to us uh, for mercy, uh, to kind of light a little bit of a fire. Uh, there are tons of injustices. I, I just named uh, just a few, uh, but there's tons of ways to get involved, tons of ways to serve, um, whether it's here on Sunday morning setting up or breaking down, whether it's on the, um, the greeters team, hospitality team, whether it's on a trip, whether it's on a weekend there's ways to get involved, and if you don't want to do it here, I can tell you about a hundred other places out there. Like this isn't—I uh, was talking to Derek. I'm like, I—I I don't want people to think this is like a 30-minute commercial about like come and serve because this is Josh's job and he needs volunteers. Like this isn't—it's uh, not what it's about. I, I love serving, and when I do something that I love, I, I think other people might like it. Um, but when we go down to Mexico or to Kentucky and we go on these different trips, like the reason we do this, like. My job is to set this up to enable you to be able to go down and experience uh, what it is to, to be a part of this giving of mercy and love and service. And so I highly encourage you to, to find something that, uh, that you're passionate about 
um, that you want to see change in. And a lot of times when we, when we find things that we're passionate about and we want to see change in, we're like, ah, I have no idea how to do this. Like, and I deal with that every day. And it's just small little things. Mother, I was reading a book about Mother Teresa this week. And uh, uh, she said, if I had never picked up that first homeless person that was dying in the gutter, if I'd never picked up that first one, I would have never picked up the thousands after her. And I just thought, how true is that? That we just need to get out there, start small, start somewhere, and, and go and serve. Um, we hear all the time that, um, especially in this city, like we're a busy city. There's stuff going on. And um, we're always busy. It's never really a good time. Um, I, you know, I'm just as guilty as saying I'm too busy to go do this and, and do that as well. But it's when you get your feet on the dirt for the first time, just go on one of these trips, be involved in one of these things. And it's when you can actually breathe in the poverty and you can look to people that are starving and, 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 and you see the afflicted and the injustices. When you can see it firsthand, um, you'll know that now is kind of the only time and it's, and it's time to, to get involved. So if you look on the back of your bulletin, um, there's a list of opportunities or ways to, to serve and get involved. Derek was talking about the gaps and the S is the bottom one on that. Um, but there's a ton of different ways to get in, involved. Uh, the majority of those are here. Some of them are linked up with people from here. Um, and if there's something not on there that you'd be interested in investing, like just get involved. And if I can help you get involved in any way, like please uh, contact me. My contact info is on the, on the back of the Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, you are a God of love and of service and of mercy, and, and you have not called us to anything that you haven't done above and beyond in our lives to each one of us, God. You are uh, an incredible God that cares for us and cares for the injustices that are done in these world, uh, in this world. And um, God, so we just pray for those injustices right now. We pray for the protection of little children and, and of people that are sick and hunger, hungry and dying. God, help us to somehow share uh, and to serve or minister unto, without words, your love, your amazing love for them. God, we thank you for being a, a father to us and for loving us. And we love you as well. In your name, Jesus. Amen.